Welcome to the show, The First Generation Mindset. This is your host, Kunal Set on live and action today. As a first generation immigrant, I came to the U.S. with a whole lot of nothing about two decades back, but had a vision to dream and get big success over all these years. Two decades later, I feel so lucky. I feel blessed to have a life that I have loved and helped other people entrepreneurs, real estate brokers, and executives find the path to create success for themselves through my real estate company, the Seth Brothers team, and my own business opportunities. I mentor folks on the most important thing, which is the first generation mindset. The first generation mindset is a hunger to succeed and a relentless pursuit to regardless of any obstacles whether you're making more money than you dreamed about or starting from scratch, waking up every morning with the same state of mind is essential. On my show, I interview some of the most successful folks on the planet. And today is no exception. On the show this evening, all the way from DC, we have Cicely Simpson. Cicely, welcome on the show tonight. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Cicely, you are a blessing to have on the show tonight. You're sitting in D.C. and your voice is going to be heard all over Texas tonight. We're live on radio show. We're live on Facebook. For those of you who do want to know about Cicely, stay tuned in because we're going to unfold her journey, her successes, her failures, and what she's gone over the years to be top of the ladder as a lobbyist based out of D.C. But Cicely was the first in her family to go to college. She just did not even go to college. She got a degree to be an attorney. And over the years, she has impacted businesses, entrepreneurs, and passed legislations with Congress. What's amazing is she has worked with not one, not two, not three, but four presidents, including a current president, Joe Biden. And she's going to unfold for us what she did to get to the point where she's at. But a brief bio about Cicely. Cicely has had immense success in both business and in politics for over two decades. Whether it was completely altering her path to become a leader in Dunkin' Donuts or becoming a Washington, D.C. power player, Cicely sought after to create winning strategies. Too many people wait for their career to advance as opposed to actively creating a strategy to change their career. Today, Cicely endeavors to show everyone from CEOs to students what they bring to the table, what differentiates them from others, finding their voice, stepping into their power and learning how to make things better and different. Cicely's background in politics and business brings real world experiences to audiences across the country. Cicely's pushing people past the comfort zones in order to inspire real change. Okay and good enough are not part of her philosophy. Instead, Cicely shows audiences how to find the edge to keep it. Cicely is a founder and CEO of Summit Public Affairs in Washington, D.C., a new Forbes book author and a sought-after speaker. Cicely, I'm so excited to have you on the show tonight. Welcome on board. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely, Cicely. So I gave an overview about your background, but you came from small town, went to college, got a degree in, in law. And over the years, you're impacting lives in Washington, D.C., working with presidents. 
Walk us through your journey. Share with us what lessons learned, what wins you've had. And you are a person of minority, but you're impacting people at a national level. Share with us your wins and your strategies, Cicely. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I'm from a very small town in Tennessee that most people in Tennessee have never heard of. So, so to go from a, a small, obscure little small town to D.C. was quite, uh, has been quite the journey in and of itself. But my journey did start here. Uh, Canal, and I was the first in my family to go to college. But my, my, my journey, I would say my challenge started very early on in my life. You see something that you and I did not talk about when we connected earlier was I was born with sickle cell anemia. That oh, wow. is a disease that some have likened the pain to something as severe as cancer. Canal, there are days I've grown up being told I'm not like everyone else. I've grown up being told to sit on the sideline of my life. And I was determined, it's what you just said, that hunger and that thirst to prove those people wrong. There are days now where I'm doing my job, I'm on Capitol Hill, I may be at the White House and I completely can't see a thing. But I've learned to manage through that to be able to be able to have the success that I've had, but quite frankly, to get up every morning with that drive that you spoke about. So my journey and my challenges started very early on and continue, but certainly, you know, as we've all had, I've taken jobs where I've been fired. I've taken jobs where I took it for the money and it was the worst job I've ever had. I've had good bosses, bad bosses. I think I've seen it all, you know, but it all goes back to that little small town in Tennessee and now being in Washington for 22 years, uh, having an amazing impact. It has just been a blessing uh, indeed. So listen, I can go deep into so many lessons. I can keep going on, but I'll stop and, uh, and uh, see, what, uh, see what questions you have about that. Cicely, two decades in Washington, D.C., people can't even survive 12 months over there. You know what I'm talking about? Where the politics and all the drama people go through. So having the resilience of being there for two decades must have certain foundation of success and relentlessness that you've had. Share with us your challenges being over there for two decades, the ups and downs. What has kept you going for two decades, Cicely? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you're right. You would think being there for two decades, I definitely have some thick skin uh, now, Kunal. But surprisingly enough, people think of Washington, D.C., and you think of this eclectic city, you think of, you know, government, everything that happens there. And surprisingly enough, from very early on in my career, when I got to D.C., even now, I am often the only woman in the room. Sometimes I'm the only person of color, let alone the only woman of color. So that was very new for me when I got to DC, Canal. I had to really understand when you walk in a room and you look around <laughs> and you're kind of thinking, uh, who doesn't belong here? It's you. Then certainly that was a big lesson for me that I've learned. I thought DC would be all these people and everybody's everywhere and you know all the eclectic and all the diversity. And that wasn't the case. So certainly that has been a challenge that has uh, faced me throughout my career, but I've also had a challenge of my age. Uh, some of the jobs I've held, some of the um, leadership roles I've held both in Congress, as well as in Dunkin' Donuts and corporate America, as well as uh, in a job I had after that working for the restaurant industry, I was often the youngest who had ever held those positions. And so people would say to me, aren't you a little too young to be in that role? Are you sure you have enough experience? I even had someone tell me once, very first day of the job, he was like, I'm going to watch you fail and I'm going to tell you so when you do. And that was on your first day of job. The first day, very first laying eyes on this gentleman. I'll never forget that conversation. 
And I thought, if I don't wake up every day to prove that man wrong, and you know, whatever challenges I may have personally, health-wise, I was I set out to prove that gentleman wrong because I will never forget. I've never had someone tell me I was going to fail in the very first day of a job before I ever walked in the door. Now, what's amazing, Cecily, is that no matter what you do for a living, you work in walk into work environment, friend circle, there's always somebody looking to pull you down, right? And most people take that negative mindset or challenge and say, you know what? I guess I'm not good enough. And he or she must be right in telling me I'm, I'm a misfit. But that one statement from that person, I mean, it's been decades since you heard that person speak to you, look into your eyes, I'm kind of wait to you for you to fail. And that's been a fire. And I, I can promise you over the years, you never allowed anyone to pull you down. So for those of us listening tonight, I'm sure audiences on the radio or on Facebook have experienced that either directly or indirectly. What would you want to tell them, Cicely, when those statements are made? How do you believe in yourself? How do you keep yourself going? Yeah, and that's not the first time, actually, Kanal. I, when I, my third week at Dunkin' Donuts, I gave a presentation. And look, in Congress and government, we didn't use PowerPoint presentations. So the very first presentation I gave at Dunkin', a gentleman came up to me and he said, if you can't do any better than that, you don't need to be on that stage. So understand the, the gentleman who told me I was going to fail. It's not the first time I've been told I don't belong. Uh, I don't belong where I am. But here's my advice to folks listening to us tonight. You absolutely, look, I had done the work. You've done the work. You absolutely belong in those rooms where you are. You absolutely belong in those roles where you are. And I, it's one of the reasons why I don't believe in imposter syndrome and all. Because when you do the work and you know who you are and you know the power that you bring to the table, quite frankly, you know what you bring to the table in terms of the value you offer, then no one, regardless of what they say, they're not right. You know the value you bring. You know what differentiates you from others. Step into that power and hold on to it. That's what I've done. I've actually, I mean, my father was a Marine, so I'm motivated by, by criticism and discipline and hard work. And so every single criticism I've ever received in my career was fuel for me. It just fueled my fire to prove those folks wrong. I knew what I brought to the table and I knew what I brought to the table was gonna prove them wrong every single time. I just had to show them what I could do and how I could do it. So don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the people who wanna pull you down because Canal's right, they're in every single job. Listen, they're in your personal life too. It's not just professional. They're, they're around you every day, all day, and you gotta rise above it. And you got to find that voice and know that your impact is greater than they're giving you credit for. You're right, Cicely. And most people are not risk takers. They want to play it yeah. safe. They want to have a nine to five, collect the paycheck, have the benefits, have the cushy job. And then when someone in the circle says, hey, listen, I'm done working for somebody, allowing myself with their vision and they want to make a jump or switch, they say, are you sure you want to do that? Because they don't have the faith in their own belief system or the courage to make the jump. And when someone says they want to do it, they discourage them. So what we surround ourselves with are not people who are just there to agree with us or, or to make us hear what we want to hear, but to challenge us. So coming from small town in Tennessee that you said most people, even Tennessee, have not heard about it. What was the first step? What did it take for you to be the first generation person to leave a small town and go to a big town to get your degree? Uh, I can tell you those people, I can name almost every one of them who told me, what are you doing? You need to stay here. What you, the, the naysayers were powerful, Kanal, even from very early on in high school. They told my parents, 
Why are you letting her go to college? She needs to stay here. When I went to law school in California, Pepperdine Law School, why are you letting her go to California? I have heard, again, I've heard that you can't, you shouldn't, you won't succeed my entire life. And so what that took for me was I had parents who said to me, if you want to do it, do it better than everybody else. Prove those people wrong. So I was very much brought up on this idea that if you put your mind to it, you got to do it, but you've got to do it better than everybody else. So you've got to do your best. And when you do that and bring that work ethic and discipline along with it, then you're going to prove those folks wrong. And you never tell them they're wrong. It's the quiet satisfaction that you succeeded despite all of the criticisms and despite all of the negativity they, you know, sort of leveled against me. So I, I've heard you can't, you shouldn't. Why are you? Uh, my parents have heard it. And I think it about fueled them as much as it fueled me in terms of go do what you want to do and don't let anybody hold you back. Cecily, you know what? You want to bless today. I'll tell you why. You shared with us your parents were your foundational strong backbone behind you said, you know, you want to go and get your degree, go do it. Same thing with me. I was 19 year old when I came from India to US to go to grad school. There were a lot of family members, friends, neighbors who told my parents, are you sure you're sending a 19 year old kid all the way to America? Is he really going to be a success? They said, you know what? He believes in himself. We believe in him and he's going to do wonders over there. And, and look, looking back at it, my parents' support for me got me to get out of the comfort zone, leave India and come all the way to U.S. So you are not blessed, but a lot of people are not blessed where That's the parents, right. not for the wrong reason, but they have this kind of a world that I got to protect my baby. What if he or she gets burned? But I'm glad the parents were not that. For the people who do not have the family support, and then you add to that the complexities of negativity from their friends. What would you want to tell them? How do you create a self-belief system, Cecily? Well, let me just say one thing about my father. Don't get me wrong. He taught me some tough lessons. Like I said, he was a the Marine. Marine. <laughs> he was a who served in Vietnam. And can I talk about your, your journey as a 19-year-old? When I was 19, my father told me, you're going to go work in the factory where I work every day. And I'm going to teach you the value of hard work. And I'm going to teach you the value of that education you're getting so that you appreciate it more when you walk back into that classroom than you did when you left. And I worked an entire summer on an assembly line putting together 18-wheeler trucks. It was the hardest work I've ever done. I was absolutely miserable, but it was a life lesson that he taught me that I will never forget. So I don't, I don't want everybody to think my parents were, they were just, you know, uh, they, they were very encouraging, but they taught me some tough lessons along the way that I am now grateful for. I was miserable back then, <laughs> but I'm grateful for now. But to your question about, you know, if you don't have that support system, what do you do? I will tell you, and I think you've got a really sort of little bit of self-examination here. I'm very big on self-reflection, self-honesty. Because I've been told many times in my career that I'm actually holding myself back uh, because I was too driven, because I was too outspoken, because I was too, again, fill in the blank. And I think for you, if you don't have that support system, if you're on that journey by yourself, then you kind of got to sit in a quiet place and you got to do a little bit of self-reflection. Are you going to let them define who you are or are you going to define who you are instead? And that is a choice. You know, Kanal, I, I have a... I have a lesson I learned. It's called, you know, everybody, everybody gives into fear. And I tell people fear means face everything and run or face everything and rise. Wow. Say that face one more time, Cicely. 
Sure, fear. So, you know, I would say that person would give into fear and doubt who may not have that support system. But fear means one of two things, face everything and run or face everything and rise. The choice is yours. I would urge you to choose the latter, rise to meet the moment and do what you know you can do. And you don't need that support system because you know what? Every day you're going to take another step and another step and another step. And then you're going to start to build momentum. You're not going to conquer the world in one day. None of us have. Listen to Kanal's story. Listen to my story. We all have a lot of lessons learned that we've all built on. But it's the lessons learned that propel you forward day after day. So don't give in to the fear and doubt. When people say you don't belong here, don't give in to the imposter syndrome. Absolutely take it one day at a time, one step at a time. And Kanal, I want to share something for those folks who may not have had that support system. I had a boss in Congress, he's still in Congress now. And he said to me one day, he and I were talking, and he said to me one day, I, I was calling him Congressman. He said, you know, call me Jim. I said, Congressman, and he said, Cicely, why are you not calling me by my first name? And I said, well, sir, you have earned this title. <laughs> I'm calling, I'm giving you the respect you're due. And he said, if there's anything you ever remember me saying, remember this. He said, you put your pants on one leg at a time like everyone else. When you view yourself as an equal, you will be treated as an equal, and don't forget that. And that conversation was 17 years ago. Wow. Instead of the, instead of the, you don't need this. Yes, everybody needs community. I'm not going to disagree with that. But when you have those lessons inside of you, when you hear those stories, know that you are as powerful and important as the next person. You've just got to live it. So 17 years back, Congressman tells you, you know, we all are the same, but find a support structure. And you still remember that he's sharing that with us tonight. Now you get your support structure, you find your niche, but most people are lost in their life. And they follow the mundane of doing a thing over and over again. You took that opportunity to work in corporate America. You climbed the ladder all the way to vice president leadership team but you were not given a seat on several tables. And you also have the philosophy, Cicely, that when there's no chair for you in your table, guess what you got to do? Bring your folding chair. Bring yourself a seat on that table. Share with us your challenges in corporate America when you were Dunkin at Dunkin' Donuts, a top leadership team, but you were not welcome with the opinion. A lot of times you were a single person of color, single female in the room, but you had to get your voice heard, get your strategies heard by the management team or board members. Share with us, how did you deal with those challenges in corporate America, Cicely? Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and the, what you're referring to is a quote that I sort of used to fuel me in those times. And it's a quote by the first African-American Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, who said, as Kunal just mentioned, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. And so I brought my chair. I made my way. And, and let's be honest, corporate America is not for the faint of heart. I've always heard right. stories. But man, those stories really are true. The person, under, you know, you walk out of a meeting, the person undercutting you, uh, you, you know, the, the things you've heard are true. I will tell you one of my biggest lessons, Kunal, a bunch of them actually, I mean, I remember CNBC coming in to do an interview one day and they realized there was not a single person of color running sitting around that table. They came downstairs and grabbed me and said, we need you to sit here. And I said, don't pretend like I don't know why you just asked me to come upstairs and be a part of this TV interview. I know why you asked me to do that because you don't have a single person of color as part of your leadership team. I knew that. And I knew sitting there and I had to smile and sort of grin and bear it. 
But that was the kind of thing that, and no ill will at all, but there were some challenges in corporate America. I also had to learn. That's where I really learned to advocate for myself, Kunal. I, you know, I, I hired in doing one job. I ended up doing four different jobs. And so I went to my boss one day, huge lesson for me. And I said, I'm doing four jobs. Like, I, you know, I think I need a raise and a promotion. And she said, no. I said, all right. I waited a couple of days, went back and tried again. And she said, no. And I said, okay, why not? And she said to me, well, you don't meet this criteria. And so one of the biggest lessons I learned was I walked away from that conversation and I realized no means not now. Don't take no as personal rejection. So I walked away for a couple more days, went back to her and said, okay, you've told me no twice, but you haven't told me how to get to that next level. I want to be an officer in a public company. How do I do that? And I said, give me a pathway to do that. And she said, I can do that for you. Yes, if you want to lay out a plan of how you get to that next level, what you have to do, I will help you with that. So I learned that we often hear no as personal rejection. No can mean not now. And that's the way I interpret it now, which is a huge lesson I learned. But I also learned that, you know, in corporate, you got to show up every day. You got to show up every single day and bring your A game because it's a little bit of a, what have you done for me lately? I mean, I worked in a franchise model. I would hear all the time from franchisees, what are you doing in Washington to help me? Why is Obamacare coming down the pike? What are you doing to stop it? What do you do? And it was like, what are you doing? What? And it was every single day, multiple times a day, up at night, up in the morning, it was constantly, what are you doing to help us? What are you doing? Are you doing your job? Are you successful enough? Do you have the ideas? And so thankfully, it was a little bit of what have you done for me lately? And so every day I had to wake up and just raise the bar even more and raise the bar anymore. And Kanal, what I knew I'd sort of, I'd overcome the challenges that had been put in front of me. When I got ready to leave that job, the CEO and my boss said to me, you've done amazing things here, but you're ready for a bigger stage that we can't give you. So when you find that next role, you go with our blessing because you have remade this department and this, you know, your contributions have been more than we could ask. You go with our blessing whenever you leave. Uh, so you had the support even on your exit from your previous employer. And she said, you are bigger than what we could have set up for you and have success for you. So what, what did that lead to next? Because I know then you went to D.C. and that's where you've been for two decades, policy and, and lobbying and working with presidents. How's it like working with presidents. <laughs> You've worked with four of them. You're currently working with President, President Biden. How does that feel working with a top person in the world? Well, I was told very early on when I got to DC by the first congressman I worked for, if you ever forget how awesome of a privilege it is to be in this town and do this job, then it's time for you to go back home. And I have never forgotten and I never take for granted the awesomeness of being able to walk in to the Capitol or to the White House or to be able to work with presidents. And look, I've, I've had bills signed. I think I've had bills signed under every single president. And now I'm working um, you know, with President Biden on, some, on his White House team. But listen, it's an awesome privilege. I don't take it for granted at all because I know the hard work that got me here. I know the challenges. Um, I could tell you so many more stories that I haven't told you that I've overcome to be able to get to this point. And so now to have this kind of a career trajectory and look, each president is very different. Um, you know, President Bush, 
I worked for two blue dog Democrats, Southern Democrats, like we have down here in the South. And I, we worked very well with President Bush, had a great relationship with President Bush and his team. President Obama was a little different. Even though we were Democrats, he had a little bit of a different style. Believe it or not, President Trump, I had the best relationship with President Trump I've had of any president. Wow. I worked at his White House. And again, being a Democrat, but I was working for the restaurant industry, being in business, and we had more success as an industry and as collectively in the strategy I was leading under President Trump than I have had in, under any other president. So the challenge there is people would say, oh, well, you're a Democrat, he's a Republican. It didn't matter. If you have data and you have facts and you're representing your clients, so my clients were small restaurateurs. I know some folks in Houston that, I, that were part of the restaurant community that I had the privilege of getting to know. And so it didn't matter the label behind my name, what mattered is I walked in there every day to do a job for them. And every president, every White House, the Congresses I've worked with, they all appreciated knowing that the little guy back home needed somebody to be on their side as well. So that was a privilege to be able to carry that message to each and every uh, elected official I've been able to work with. I love that story, Cicely. I also believe, you know, people, generally speaking, whether in school, high school, middle school, try to find that tribe and try to fit into that tribe, even though they know for a fact that tribe is not that tribe. You know, I believe if you don't find the right tribe, build your own tribe. But more importantly, have a clarity of your own vision, your own belief system. What you just shared, Cicely, was you have a belief system, you have ideology that people in the restaurant industry need representation at the national level, whether it's blue team or the red team, leading the White House, if your philosophy is aligned with the right vision and growth plan, it does not matter whether it's President Bush, President Trump, or President Biden. Your philosophy would stay at self ground. Such powerful note over there. So share with us your belief system, what you believe in. A lot of time, whether it's the presidential candidate or it's the congressman, they, I'm sure, derail you. Well, your belief system is you are a blue person or red person, but this president is from the opposite side of the aisle. How do you keep steadfast with your belief system? Because most people try so hard to fit in tribes of other people, blend in and make change to their philosophy, but staying fast with their vision and philosophy is so critical. What do you want to share with people? How do you go about doing that on a daily basis, Cicely? Well, you're right. Uh, Washington can challenge your belief system and your faith in incredible ways. Um, I, first of all, am a person of faith. So very, even early on in DC, I was challenged. Uh, there were ethical challenges, certainly people who are not people who led with integrity and I had to deal with those people. And so being a person of faith really grounded me, but also being a person who I value integrity. Your, you know, your word, when you give somebody your word, you stick by it. That may be some old fashioned values there, but I very much believe that when I got to DC and why I've sort of been successful, it has been that, that hard work, that attitude of determination. The people who tell you no, you just prove them wrong and keep going. It is, but you do have to be grounded in yourself because, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't have a tribe. Um, I kind of, I, I tried to get in tribes and people didn't want me. Um, you know, there was even a, a congressional um, black staff association. They said I wasn't black enough for them. 
Uh, so I tried to find tribes and tribes rejected me. So I was very, very much secure in myself, but also knew that I had to make my own way, Canal. And that when I made my own way, I would bring others with me as well once I got to where, I, you know, the level of success I wanted. But along that way, it was it was a lonely journey at times just because you didn't have that tribe. So I tell people now, if you don't have that tribe, it's okay. It's okay if you don't have that community right now. I oftentimes will volunteer to be that community for people that I coach, especially who want to advance in their career, and I coach them on how to do that. But don't try to fit in, right? Dr. I think it was Dr. Seuss has a quote, you know, why, you know, why try to fit in when you were born to stand out? Why try to fit in when you were born to stand out? I love that. So my story is kind of has similar grounds. When I first came to U.S., I went to LSU, grad mm -hmm. school over then LSU is considered a party campus coming from India. I mean, I had to first get used to the American accent, the lifestyle, all those things. It was so easy for me to fit in the tribe, you know, go partying, going, doing this and doing that. But I had clear vision of my objective, why I came to America, why I left my family and friends back at home. It was clear. I have to make something for myself that I can look back and say in one year, five years, 10 years, that the sacrifice I made to come to America, they're worth the time and effort. And I was, did not even, let alone going for parties and get togethers, I did not even eat out at McDonald's for two years while I was at LSU because I had a vision that I have to get good grades, get sponsorship, get employment, get my work permit. And if I do not get that, my I was going to be shipped back to my home country. So fitting in the tribe was not important to me. And people who make the decision early on, whether you're in high school, middle school, or college, that defines how your professional growth is going to be. People work so hard to fit in, to appease someone, boyfriend, girlfriend, college football team, whatever it may be, forever in employment and workspace, they will continue doing that. They will schmooze their boss, the department head, just so that they can say things that appease them for the short term, but they have no self-conviction what their belief system is. And people like you, when you say, you know what, it's all right. I may not fit in today, but I'm gonna get my voice heard. When people know what Cecilia really believes in, who she is, they're gonna come follow me and I'll build my own tribe. So powerful, Cecilia. I'm loving what you're sharing out today, sitting in DC, talking to Texas market today. Share with us some of the challenges you face being in DC or being in corporate America, which are relevant to today's work environment. You and I are still kind of dealing with COVID-19. It's been over two years People are still sitting at home collecting unemployment checks. While they can go out and work, get employment, they want to just sit around and collect the funds, the funding from government. What do you want to tell them? This is short-lived benefit. At some point of time, the money's going to run out and you're going to have to find a job. At that point of time, there may not be an opportunity for you. So share with us what's your thought, what's your vision, what do you have to tell to people who are sitting around not taking action based on the belief system, Cicely? Yeah, listen, and my brother is a small business owner in Tennessee, and he's facing that exact situation um, that you've described. So I, I see it and hear, hear it from him often, and I, I am very honest with people. The money's gone. The spigot was turned on for two years because we were in an unprecedented crisis. It's gone, and you will never see that again in our lifetime. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh, there's more to come, there's not. There's not any more to come. So when I say to those people, the conversation I even have with my brother about how to talk 
to his employees who very much find themselves in that situation is, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and wait for something else to come your way, or are you going to pick yourself back up and go back to work? Whether it's a job you were in or whether you want to seek a new one, the you got to make a choice because the government's not going to help you anymore. The money's gone, and you've got to figure out what are you going to do to support your family. And look, that's been a tough conversation that I've had with people that even I know my brother's had with some of his employees as well. It's It goes back to what we're talking about here. Are you going to make your own way? You're going to make something happen? You're going to sit there and wait for something to happen and hope somebody bails you out again. And it's just not what we've seen the past two years. People have gotten used to it. And we're used to being at home. We're used to still being on Zoom calls. We're used to still, you know, being out of our element. It's, 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 you've got to find your new normal and figure out what that is. And look, I've talked to a lot of people, Kunal, who are part of this great resignation. They are trying to figure out what they want to do next. Maybe they didn't like their job. Maybe they, they quit with, you know, no other aspirations. They're trying to figure out what's next for them. That conversation then goes back to their value system. Well, why did you quit in the first place? Why did you leave? Why have you not gone back? What are you looking for differently that wasn't there previously? And I've heard a lot of stories from people walking away from bad bosses, walking away from bad jobs, walking away from an environment where they didn't feel appreciated as an employee. And now they're looking for something very, very different. I've heard it all over the past two years and quite frankly, continue to hear it from a number of people. So I'd say that conversation is very different from people who are either leaving the workforce voluntarily or people who, again, to your point, have sat at home and just said, I'm, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. No, don't wait and see what happens. Again, the choice is you've got to get up and make it happen, or if you shouldn't wait for it to happen, you're going to be waiting a long time. But that great resignation conversation of people who are seeking something new and different, sometimes they don't know what that is. That really goes back to the core of who people are because they've decided they're going to course correct something in life. The question is, what is that something? And what are they seeking that's different now that they didn't have before the pandemic? That becomes a very powerful conversation, but a very personal one as well. So, right, Cecilia, and I'll go back to, you know, America is the greatest country in the world. It's because the opportunities that we have over, it's considered a land of opportunity. And whether you're first generation American, second, third, or fourth, or fifth, somebody in your family came to America with a whole lot of nothing. They would have done whatever it took to find employment, stay employed, find food to get on the table. People who get that citizenship, they take it for granted being born in America. And they say, it's okay. If I don't have a job, I can go after unemployment benefits. The government is going to fund me, get those food stamps, do all those things. Ask the person who has made it this country and who is first generation, they don't have a choice but to work, find employment, and to do whatever it takes to stay in this country legally and find opportunities for not just their own success, but the next few generations. So that's why the first generation mindset Cecily is all about. People forget about struggles that their father, grandfather, whoever went through to make it the first one for you, being the first one in your family to go to college, first one in your family to be in D.C. Now, in your next few generations, they'll know, you know what? Mama Sisley or Grandmama Sisley made it happen. If she could do it, I'm going to do it. The first one of minority person of color that you shared with us, you've made a path of success. People can follow and see you up. What do you want to tell people who are lazy in a pandemic, no pandemic, who just take things for granted? They have to wake up today because this year, we already passed almost first quarters coming to the end before we know 2022 would be over. 
Today, this is pandemic. Tomorrow, it could be Harvey. Tomorrow, it could be something else. People just wait for things to happen to them rather than than making things happen for them. How do you inspire people? How do you push people to get them fired up, motivated, Cecily? Do you mind sharing your perspective on that? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I I tend to bring a little bit of a challenge culture uh, to those folks that I'm talking to in that way. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the next thing to come down the pike, the next hardship, the next whatever that's going to knock you down? I mean, to your point, Kanal, it, it, it really comes down to a personal challenge. And look, people don't like it when I challenge them that way. But my question is, what are you waiting for? Have a sense of urgency about your life. Tomorrow's not promised to you or anyone else, but you do have today and what you do with it makes all the difference in the world. So you know what? Maybe yesterday you didn't get off that couch, but today you're going to. Maybe yesterday you didn't know what you're going to do, but today you're going to get on that computer and do a job search. You're going to figure it out. And there's a young man from Africa right now, Kunal, who very similar story as to yours. And he's, you know, he sought me out for mentoring. And I said to him, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm waiting for a job. And I said, go work in a restaurant, go pick up trash. If you're waiting for the perfect job to come to you, it's not going to happen. What are you... Go, go work, go do something with your time. And I just said to him, what are you waiting for? And he was very quiet with me and he really didn't know how to respond. I said, look, if you're looking for me to tell you it's okay to sit there and continue to just wait for the perfect job to come through and you've been unemployed now for I think five years, four or five years. I said, no, because you could have been working in those four or five years. So what are you doing? What are you waiting on? He hasn't spoken to me since then. (laughs) He hasn't, he hasn't gotten back to me or spoken to me the, since then, but that is a sense of urgency people have to create about their life. You and look, I will tell you, um, I've mentioned my father. I mentioned the, the influence he has on me. In early 2020, when the pandemic started, he was here on Thursday and gone on Saturday. His heart just stopped. Oh, and wow. it, shattered, it has shattered our family in ways that I but it reinforced to me Kunal, such a lesson that I've known all my life, but I absolutely swear by it now. Every day is a gift and tomorrow is not promised to any of us. If you don't make the most of what you have today, and look, there are no bad days. I'm a firm believer of that now. I don't care what happens to me during the day. There are no bad days because tomorrow may not be here. And the bad experience that you had today it's probably a big lesson learned that's going to save you from trouble in the future because a small misstep today could help you from tumbling down tomorrow. I also believe, Cicely, most people want to hit the target and they want to hit the bullseye every time. That's why they wait, wait, wait for the perfect opportunity. Well, life is not perfect. It's very unlikely that the first time you shoot, you're going to hit the bullseye. Take more shots. Take on more opportunities. What's the worst that can happen? You'll not hit the target, but you'll all at least get shooting practice. Stop being a perfection. This is where we need to share the story about the person from Africa. He just wants to shoot and shoot one time to hit the bullseye. Well, life is not perfect, but if he was just shooting, taking a job at a restaurant or picking up trash, he's mentally engaged, putting effort into finding employment or earning money. And what that can lead to, you never know. Life is simple, yet it's complex. The dots we put on our chart of life every day, 
you never know which dot leads to what connection, what light, and how the circle is completed. So it's all about taking shots, firing more often. And then one day, you're going to hit the target. You're going to find the perfect opportunity, whether that's work or find the right partner. Do you wait for the perfect wife or husband all your life? No. You meet more people, you engage with them, you date a few people, then you say, you know what? He or she seems perfect. Let me fire now, get engaged to them or married to them. Life is not about perfection. You share the story about the person from Africa, but you're also impacting people through your coaching, mentorship. You work with people in executive positions and they have the same challenges. They want to hit all the right numbers the first time they get out of the gate. How do you work with them to engage with them? Give them a big picture vision of success for the organization, Cicely. Well, first of all, you've got to meet people where they are. Um, and I believe very wholeheartedly, I whatever journey you're on is your journey. It is yours and yours alone. Like I told that young man, I told him the story of like, I've lost my job early on in my career. I didn't know what I was going to do. I went to Radio Shack and got a job. I, I did whatever it took to have money coming in my pockets. I knew I couldn't go back home and tell my father um, that. So I, I very much believe, Kanal, in meeting people where they are, like, I, like I've told that young man. And when you do that, and when I do that, my and my coaching and also with the people I get to interact with every day, you will find people absolutely. And I, I'll make this, I'll tell you a story, but you will find that people absolutely are stuck. They're frustrated. Sometimes they're going through the motions. Sometimes they don't even know what motions to go through. So that's why I say you've got to figure out where they are and meet them where they are first before you can connect the dots as to where they want to go. And you're right, I'm coaching right now students who are in their first jobs. I have folks who are in executive levels. I even have business owners who are like, how do I talk to my customers and how do, how, how do, how do I handle my business relationships better? It runs the gamut. But everybody starts with where you are and then, the, and then I, I question everybody who comes to me. Two questions, one, what's your goal? Like, what, why are you coming to me? Like, what do you want to read? What do you want to do? And then two, and this is a test question that everybody hates, why are you different from the next person who's calling me to help him? What makes you different from the other person who wants coaching? Because that goes back to what you said about hunger and wanting it. Do you want this change or are you coming because you feel like you have to? Are you actually seeking to move forward in whatever relationship it is, personal or professional? Or are you just, is it an obligation or because you're fucking, you're frustrated and stuck? Um, people answer that question and they get pretty frustrated with me because they're like, well, I don't know. And so that's where we start. We start with the premise of where are you and where do you want to go and why is your journey different from somebody else's? And those questions usually take a couple of phone calls because people are very stuck in that regard. You're right, Cicely. And you know, back in the day when I was a kid, you know, I would get some toys and you know how you would have those wind up keys you turn and then the clown or whatever starts walking. I like people who come with batteries included, right? <laughs> I've never heard that before. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you can wind it so many times, the toy or the activity or the mindset, and they will walk a few steps or take that tumble or whatever it may be, and then they have to wound again. But someone who comes with batteries included, all they need is direction. I look at this, a race horse that's on a track, they're blinder on the left side, they're blinder on the right side, and they're given a track to run. 
people have the energy, have the mindset, but they do not know how to channel the energy in the right direction. This is where coaches, mentors play such a critical role part in our growth. No matter how successful you are, whether you're a first-time business owner, entrepreneur, or somebody who's employed, having an external force who's your coach or a mentor who lays it out for you the way it is, not share things with you that you want to hear, the external force lets you get better. This is where coaching mentorship is so critical. Over the years, we have had multiple business coaches, mentors who coach me, my team on a daily basis. Without them, it's just my thought, my vision. But the validation you get from somebody who gives you objective opinion gets to the next level. Again, my exposure is my exposure. Your exposure is your exposure. You share with us today on this call. Congressmen have looked down on you and shared with you, Cicely, believe in yourself. Have a true belief system that lets you build your own tribe. And that does not happen with people who just want to be in your tribe to be a yes ma'am or yes sir and make you hear what you want to hear. The leadership skills that you've demonstrated in the market in DC for two decades is incredible. Someone listening to us tonight who probably is in a small Tennessee town where you came from, probably somebody who wants to inspire today or sitting in a small town in Texas or America, what do you want to tell that person? What do they got to do today to give up and get down and get more success in their life, Cecily? Three simple words. Don't give up. Don't give up. <laughs> Don't give up. There, I mean, Kanal, you and I could talk about a whole host of things that we face that we haven't even scratched the surface of, but we kept going. We may not have known what the end journey was, but we kept going. That's, that's I mean, that in and of itself and I tell people all the time, and you're going to think, you may think this is harsh. People think it's harsh all the time. I'm like, ditch your five-year plan. Ditch your 10-year plan. You don't know what's waiting for you. You have no idea. And sometimes your plan, you may accomplish way bigger than what your plan always was. I always figured out, Kanal, that I didn't dream big enough. I never would have thought I would have had the path I've been on. But I didn't give up. And I will tell you, I got a letter last week that reminded me of that story from, uh, from Pepperdine. Uh, not, very few people know that I actually did not have the grades to get into Pepperdine. Uh, very few people know I, I actually couldn't have afforded law school. And they admitted me on a six-month conditional basis and said, you, you need to prove to us that you deserve to be here. And you've got one semester to do it. Now, three years later, I looked back and I actually was awarded the highest award a Pepperdine law student can get. And I, and fast forward Canal 21 years. And last week I got a letter in the mail and they, I, the Cicely Simpson Endowed Scholarship Fund has now been set up and it's because wow. I didn't give up and look, I'm still paying student loans 20, 21 years later, I'm still paying them, but I didn't give up. I didn't give up at any point in my life, whether it's my health challenges that I still deal with, whether it's personal challenges, whether it's professional challenges, Every day it's one foot in front of the other. And I am such a firm believer of when a door closes, you go through the next one. And then you go through the next one. And then you go through the next one. You don't have to know what the end journey is. You just got to keep going and don't give up and don't get discouraged. Just keep going. Just keep going. And what's funny is, Cicely, even today when kids go to college, they take five, six years to graduate. They don't even have clarity what the major should be. Look at you, you know, you were admitted without having the funding and you were given six months 
to prove yourself to the university and look at you now, 21 years down the line and you'd be given an opportunity to have a scholarship funding by your name. That's leaving your name and legacy in the university, in the college, for generations to come and say, here's a woman who came in with a whole lot of nothing and she made the best of it. This is where the first generation mindset, Cecily, is so powerful. Absolutely. And most people take things for granted. They reach a, le they reach a level of success and say, you know what? I got it over there. I'm here. I'm, I've made it. You know what? It's going to be smooth. But even though you are successful, you wake up every morning and say, you know what? I did what I did yesterday. Passed this law, legislation, all that stuff. But now what? What do I got to do next? What do I got to do next? This is where coming with batteries included is powerful. It's powerful. I, I love that. Cecily, I know you've had a great, great story you share with us today. Any final words you want to share with the audience tonight listening to us live on Facebook or on the radio that you want to give some insight? Also, if you want to share your information, someone to reach out to you, get mentored by you as a business owner or as an entrepreneur, what do you want to share with them? Final words, Cicely? Sure. Well, my website is CicelySimpson.com. By the way, there aren't many Cicely Simpsons in the world. So if you Google, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to pop up. Uh, but it's CicelySimpson.com right there on the homepage. You can reach out to me. Look, I'll do a free call with you to sort of figure out where you are uh, in your pers personal and professional journey. So I absolutely will do that. You can contact me on that website. There's also information there about speaking, but also the coaching. And then my new book and all that, that, uh, that the pre-orders are now out, a new uh, Forbes book that also walks through a lot of these uh, strategies and encouragements. Folks can also find that on the website as well. But my, my final word is really, you put your pants on one leg at a time like everybody else. When you view yourself as an equal, you will be treated as an equal. And I know I've said it already, but I, there is so much power in simplicity in that statement that if no one remembers anything else we've said here tonight, remember no matter what room you walk into, no matter who you're talking to, no matter what the title may be, you have the same value they do. You bring the same things to the table they do. You deserve the same success that they've had. And you've got to treat yourself as an equal. Cecily, I just got a reminder of a story. This has been almost two decades back in okay. Houston, you know, where I used to live. There was a tire shop right on the freeway, of a highway. And probably six months into that location, somebody opened up a tire shop more closer to the freeway or the highway. And I went to get some work done. This was, you know, somebody who was international, probably Latino person, spoke broken English. I said, wow, you have a much better location. So you're going to take over all the business that the other guys had for all these years. In his broken English, Sister, he said to me, he looked at the sky, pointed to the sun, and he said, sir, sun comes out every day, everyone. Those were exact words. And it's been over two decades. And I said, wow, I mean, this guy is probably not educated. He's just running a tire shop. What he said was so impactful. The opportunity that you and I have, which is, you know, sun bringing us light energy or the opportunity to get employment, it, everyone has the same time in a day, same opportunity that you and I have. What you make of your life, what you make of your time is completely up to you. Sun is going to come out today, 
tomorrow. What he has, opportunity, same as other person has. So I love what, I, what he shared with me. And it's become my life's mantra that I'm not privileged because I was given A, B, or C opportunity. I am privileged because I make the best of the resources given to me today. And people, if they stop taking things for granted and wake up and say, you know what? This is what I got. I'm going to make the best of the day today. No day is a bad day. Every day is a lesson learned. Every day is empowerment for us to get better. Cicely, it was so amazing having you on the show tonight. Your insight, the fact you work with four presidents, influential person, person of color who came from a small town in Tennessee, became an attorney. Now you're leading an initiative in Washington, D.C., impacting people, not just business owners, but entrepreneurs and restaurant owners. I loved having you on the show. I'm blessed that we got the opportunity to talk today, engage today. And thank you so much for the time you took sharing your insight. I'm sure there'll be people who'll be looking you up. And your book is called Pull Up Your Chair. Pull up your chair. Simple four-line word for a book. But just the book's name has so much meaning behind it. Any final words, Cicely, before we wrap up the show tonight? Pull up your chair. Make Pull up your chair. Pull up your chair and make your own way. And what I love about the statement, Kanal, that the gentleman shared with you, there is such clarity in simplicity. There, that, the clarity of his wisdom, so powerful, so powerful. You know, what we seek is often seeking us. You know, what, you're fo what you focus on, you focus on the negative, your mind is going to follow the negative. If you focus on the positive, your mind and your actions will follow the positive. And, and you and I could keep going, keep going, yes. keep going. I'm going to look you up when I come to Houston. But listen, thank you for the opportunity. I'm grateful for this conversation. I've learned so much from you. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm appreciative to be able to uh, have this conversation and be on with you this evening. So thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. Love it. Thanks for making time for us and sharing your first generation mindset, being the first one to do so many things in your life that you're setting a path for success for people to follow you and look up to Cicely and say, she did it, I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to stop. Thank you again, Cicely, for having your time spent with us this evening, being live on show. I'm looking forward to engaging with you and getting people to follow you and get your book, Pull Your Chair. Thank you, Cicely. Bye-bye.